0: Thrilled to have in studio with us Stephen Kessler. He has his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester, a number of published pieces that you can find at the Vogelinview.com. That's the Vogelinview.com. That's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-view.com.
1: Check me out on LinkedIn, Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R.
0: Okay. Well, welcome, Stephen. And we're going to jump into something that is near and dear to your heart and is very important for our constitutional republic, and that is the Electoral College. There has been a movement on college campuses uh, among elites to get rid of the Electoral College, and we have seen, I think there's legislation that's been introduced at the national level.
1: Sure, so apparently on CNN.com it says that Representative Steve Cohen, a Democrat out of Tennessee, is, Congressman proposes eliminating Eliminating Electoral College, preventing presidents from pardoning themselves.
0: Interesting. And then I think here in Colorado, the scuttlebutt is, is that there's going to be a movement here in Colorado to move uh, the decisions to a popular vote instead of Electoral College. So this is really trying to um, gain speed. Yeah, gain speed. You're concerned. Why?
1: All right. So here's the deal. The liberals and conservatives have very different beliefs on human nature. Liberals believe we were naturally good, but corrupted by society. Conservatives believe in an ethical dualism, the angel on this shoulder and the devil on this one, that within man there are unruly passions and appetites that necessitate restraint. For when the restraints on man's passions and appetites are removed, they run amok. And that's the quintessential conservative value. That's the essence of conservatism right there. So... What's going on right now is that I don't know how he does it, but there is something about Trump where he is an expert, world-class button pusher, that there is something (laughs) about Donald Trump that infuriates the liberals like nothing else. And so what happened is Hillary won, the more or less won the popular vote, but Trump won the electoral vote. And so what they're trying to do right now is alter the system for their temporary gains, for their Trump problem. So I'm going to read a quote from Edmund Burke, the original conservative and a true genius who speaks to my heart. There's just something about Burke that I love. Wise men will apply their remedies to vices, not to names, to the causes of evil which are permanent, not to the occasional organs by which they act, and the transitory modes in which they appear. What he's getting at is that we don't want to cut off our nose to spite our face, that Trump is a short-term, temporary problem. Let's not make long-term, permanent solutions for him.
0: But the Electoral College is difficult for people to understand. And because people have difficulty understanding it, or maybe they've never been taught, the reason that the founders made sure that we had that was they were trying to...
1: Temper the passions and appetites of man.
0: So protect protect us against the tyranny of of the majority
1: as well as the tyranny of ourselves to protect us against ourselves so in federalist number 63 he says um it's madison i think Such an institution may be sometimes necessary as a defense to the people against their own temporary errors and delusions. So there are particular moments in public affairs when the people, stimulated by some irregular passion or illicit advantage or misled by the artful misrepresentations of interested men, may call for measures which they themselves will afterwards be the most ready to lament and condemn. I'm trying not to laugh reading it, but he's telling us we need protection from ourselves because we're... You know, hot-blooded idiots.
0: Speaking of hot-blooded idiots, let's just think about it. Okay, if if one believes that man is inherently good, as the liberal mantra does, whereas the conservative, the con- conservatarian understanding is, is that man is inherently has the ability to do bad. So, right? just
1: just a real quick semantic thing. That's actually not a, a libertarian value. That's a, oh. that's no, because the libertarians believe in in autonomy. They want as much freedom as possible. And the conservatives are real concerned with too much freedom because of the beastly and savage nature of man. But go on.
0: Okay. So let's let's think about it, though, the, the, the tyranny of our passions, if you will. Okay. Let's say your team wins the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There are those that go out into the street because they won and they start trash cans on fire They uh, turn cars over. Oh, yeah. And that seems to be a pretty passionate but destructive, uh, you know, uh, response to uh, an event.
1: Mm -hmm. Because why? Passion. Because man's nature is savage and beastly, and we have unruly passions and appetites that necessitate restraint. And um, Edmund Burke has another great line about this, about how our passions, how self-control is not just just a, a wishful thought, but it's actually our own right that we have this right to be restrained. And I'm going to, he's just so brilliant to me. I'm going to read it. It's a bit long, but it's really worth every word. Society requires not only that the passions of individuals should be subjected, but that even in the mass and body, as well as in the individuals, the inclinations of men should frequently be thwarted, their will controlled, and their passions brought into subjection. This can only be done by a power out of themselves, and not in the exercise of its function subject to that will and to those passions, which it is a, uh, which is its office to bridle and subdue, in the sense the restraints on men, as well as their liberties, are to be reckoned among their rights, that it is our right to be restrained from ourselves.
0: Okay, so let's connect this then. Why is the Electoral College important uh, when we talk about Edmund Burke's quote that you just uh, gave us?
1: Sure. So Burke had a real congruent philosophy with the uh, with Publius, if you read through the federalist papers and you read through burke you will see over and over again the same language thoughts and ideas so the electoral college is a restraint on our passions and appetites we do not have a direct democracy we have people that we have a representative to make the votes on our behalf, And the reason we do that is because man's nature is savage and beastly, and it necessitates restraints, for when the restraints on our savage and beastly you know, passions are removed, they run amok.
0: Well, and so we are a constitutional republic. Yes, and I'll, ma'am. I will tell you, Stephen, I have been at uh, events where there are people, there are leaders, there are people that have been elected that refer to us as a democracy instead of a constitutional republic, and I'm astonished. But I think a lot of folks out there do not realize that the founders put in this constitutional republic because there is the tyranny of, of the mob. Tyranny, the tyranny. tyranny
1: of the majority. Yes. So let me see. Um, I'm looking for this. Okay, so in Federalist Number 10, Madison says, the public good is disregarded in the conflicts of rival parties. And that measures are too often decided not according to the rules of justice and the rights of the minor party, but by the superior force of an interested and overbearing majority
0: so they're trying to protect protect the minority basically yeah yeah, and and that's the thing with the electoral college is it is put in place well let's you know what let's talk about the two um, the House of Representatives and the Senate, so the House of Representatives is basically. Elected on population, if you will, right? Yes. Okay, but the Senate is the Electoral College because they wanted a, you know, a a check and balance on it, right?
1: Sure. So if you look on a map, you'll see that the population of Los Angeles in Southern California is probably more than the populations of North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Kansas combined. Now, do you think that the people of Southern California should have the right to force their lifestyles on seven or eight states combined? I don't. And that's exactly what it is. So in Federalist No. 51, Madison says, It is of great importance that a republic not only guard the society against the oppression of its rules, but to guard one part of the society against the injustices of the other part. If a majority be united by a common interest, the rights of the minority will be insecure. And so basically, if we get rid of the Electoral College, certain parts of the country are just going to bully other parts.
0: Well, and that's, that's also part of federalism in as much as I think that states should be much more autonomous. Mm-hmm. So, so when you have a state like California or New York where they can then go to Washington and they can vote federal money, to come back to their state. So you you take money from all the people in in these states, North Dakota, South Dakota, Kansas and all, and then you can transfer that over to California when California makes really poor financial decisions. I think that is another thing that is why uh, the Electoral College is so important is so that these little states still have a voice in what is going on. And so this movement to get rid of the Electoral College is very, very dangerous.
1: So it's dangerous because it's suicide. Suicide as a social problem is referred to as a permanent solution to a short-term temporary problem. So I'm going to read a quote from President John Adams about why he doesn't like democracy. Remember, democracy never lasts long. It soon wastes, exhausts, and murders itself. There never was a democracy yet that did not commit suicide. It is in vain to say that democracy is less vain, Less proud, less selfish, less ambitious, or less avaricious than aristocracy or monarchy. It is not true, in fact, and nowhere appears in history. Those passions are the same in all men, under all forms of government, and when unchecked, produces the same effects of fraud, violence, and cruelty. Individuals have conquered themselves. Nations and large bodies of men? Never.
0: Wow, this is the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson. Stephen Kessler is in studio with us as our guest. We're talking about the Electoral College. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back because this is something that is very important for our country. In studio with us is Stephen Kessler. He has his doctorate in higher education from the University of Rochester. And uh, he has actually gone, I think, from liberal tendencies, if you will, to you have become a staunch conservative.
1: Yeah. Exposure to the far left will do that to you.
0: Yeah. How did that happen exactly?
1: Oh, so um, I'm in graduate school for higher ed administration and an education school. And for those of you at home that don't know, our schools of education on college campuses are ground zero for far-left, I mean, far-left indoctrination liberalism. And so I'm sitting there, and they're blaming society for everything. And I'm thinking, yeah, it sounds plausible, meaning it has the appearance of truth, but, you know, we've we got to be responsible for our own actions. Yeah, there are some people who have had bad breaks, but there's other people who just make bad choices. There's other people who are unlucky, things of that nature. Just It was a quick, simple fix, The other thing I really noticed, and every time I say this as honestly as possible, people laugh. And I don't mean for it to be a joke. But I found the people to be losers in life. They were unattractive. They were overweight. They had annoying personalities. They were not traditionally cool or attractive. They were unathletic looking. And what I came to understand is that all of that causes envy and that they were out to take things from people. And that's, a big th- and that's a big thing with equity. It's a big thing with liberal ideology that says, I was born good, but I was corrupted by society. So why was I unpopular in high school? Was it because I was overweight, unattractive, annoying? Oh, no, 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 it wasn't me. It was society. And so they found this ideology that caters to their insecurities, and it says, hey, it's not you, it's them.
0: That's probably pretty politically incorrect these days, <laughs> Stephen Kessler. If you'd like to hear, <laughs> see more of the things uh, that Stephen has published, go to VogelinView.com. That's VogelinView.com, and that's V-O-E-G-E-L-I-N-View.com. Uh, we have been talking in the last segment about the Electoral College, and there is a, a real movement both nationally and it looks like here in Colorado to try to change the Electoral College. And the, the founders put the Electoral College in place because of the passions of men. They knew the tyranny of the majority, that that the majority can become a mob, and nothing good comes of a mob. But now we're seeing kind of this walk back of, uh, of the Electoral College by uh, progressivism, by socialists. Explain that.
1: Sure. So one of the main tenets of socialism, and I'm sorry, of progressivism, which was originally known as Meliorism, M-E-L-I-O-R-I-A, it's the motto of the University of Rochester, my graduate alma mater. It means ever better. And it's this belief in progress of human nature that we in the present are superior to previous generations. And because we're so far advanced, we're so superior, history, you know, it, history, it's things, it's customs, traditions, mores, laws, all that stuff, that's old world fuddy-duddy stuff. And it's the dead weight of yesteryear. So real progress consists in the destruction of those old norms and in the creation of new ones in our image for a new modern man. So why do we, what is this electoral college, Kim? It, it's, you know it's, it's 2020. Why do we need this thing? And so they want to get rid of it to accommodate new modern man. And you'll hear this argument a lot with the Second Amendment as well, that it was 1776. There's no way they understood guns in the future the way we have them today. It's this belief that all that is old is bad and should be distrusted, and we should create new. In our own image
0: okay but you in our conversations you had mentioned that really the difference between conservative and liberalism is how we view man and yes and so I, I mean I remember the the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and progressivism socialism does not believe in that do they
1: no they believe in the you know, the angel on this shoulder and society
0: Okay, and society is the things that causes bad things, not the human nature within us. Correct. But Stephen, come on, if you really look at it, the passions of men aren't that different from one generation to another, and that's what the founders understood.
1: Sure, and so the phrase is the permanent thing. It was a phrase T.S. Eliot, the poet, playwright, and literary critic used in an essay he wrote called The Idea of a Christian Society. Uh, it was written in 1939, and just briefly on Eliot, For those of you listening at home, especially the Christians on this Christian radio station, Eliot was a staunch Christian and a devout conservative. I'm sorry, a devout conservative and a staunch Christian. And he wrote two essays. One was the idea of a Christian society, and the other is notes towards definition of culture. For those of you at home, it might be a good read. So Eliot had a phrase called the permanent things. Russell Kirk popularized it, but for Eliot, it was based on two things. Number one, the belief that human nature is constant. We in the present are no different than any previous generation. So therefore, because of that constancy, we've been able to establish norms, enduring standards. And those standards are based on not just the constancy of the human condition, but the fact that the human condition is tragic. And so if it happened in one generation, you know, 20, 50 generations ago, it can and will happen again today. And that's what George Santayana, the professor from Harvard once said, once meant when he said that those who fail to learn their history are condemned to repeat it. We're doomed to repeat our history. It's not a blessing. We're not hopeful to recover it. And that these are the lessons of history that when the passions and appetites are removed from, or uh, when the restraints on man's passions and appetites are removed, they run amok and will lead to our destruction. And that's the essence of the Electoral College.
0: And so the Electoral College was put in place to temper man's passions. Exactly. Okay, so there's this big movement now in uh, in America, it appears. Uh, we have people that have been elected to the House of Representatives that are avowed socialists, people that are elected to the Senate that are avowed socialists. And they talk about greed. They talk about that somebody, if they're successful, it's because they took from somebody else. But I submit to you that it's not money that is really that drives people. It's power. And then that's what you see with uh, socialism is there's the elites with the power and then there's all the unwashed masses.
1: The swinish multitude, yeah.
0: So why would, okay, just a question for you. So why would avowed progressives, uh, uh, avowed socialists want to give the popular vote to the masses and get rid of the electoral college if they don't like the masses?
1: So it's not the it's not the progressives in general. It's the specifics. It's the specific people in the power positions. So power is a pyramid of all shapes. It's not a circle or a square. And that while the majority of the people may be at the bottom, the people who believe the things that the people at the top are saying, only the people at the top are really benefiting.
0: Okay, so that's where we see it's so tricky that uh, the messaging in our political campaigns. Now, in in Colorado, we have people – people believe – I think they inherently believe that their right to vote is sacred. And then, yet then I think people all say it doesn't matter because those at the top mm-hmm. are manipulating the whole thing. But we need to get back to where people understand what they are voting on and the people that they are voting for – uh, because as the, the big people, you know, the, the people at the bottom of the, the pyramid are voting for the people at the top, mm-hmm. many times these people at the top that they are, are electing don't really give a flying rip about the people down there at the bottom of the pyramid.
1: Sure, and that's once again what Thomas Sowell calls the vision of the anointed, that these people are at the top and they believe that they have some sort of special knowledge that the rest of us lack and we need to get out of their way, and they have a serious contempt for the common man.
0: And the common man is someone that I believe the founders of America generally loved. They were, (laughs) you know what, they were common people. Generally, they were farmers. They were merchants. They were people that were building things with their hands. And so they had a great affinity for the common man. And they said, hey, what would happen if we actually got government out of the way and let everyday common people go after their hopes and dreams? What do you think could happen well, what happened was this American idea. Stephen Kessler, we have just maybe about four minutes left. And so I want to ask you about something that I think that today, if we don't protect this, we are living in a cut flower society. We are living off of the, the, the roots of what has been planted before us. And if we don't take care of it, you know, it's pretty and, and it, it makes for a nice bouquet right now. But if we don't make sure that there's roots to those flowers, then there there won't be flowers for the future.
1: Sure. So the phrase is that we are dwarves standing on the shoulders of giants. And this is one major difference that the liberals and conservatives share. The conservatives believe that the dead, as well as the yet unborn, while not physically present, are nonetheless here with us always. And they have the same rights and considerations as others, as the living, and that What we have to do is we have to look at ourselves not as isolated, atomized individuals, but as trustees to an inheritance, that we have inherited this from the dead, and that as long as they're here with us, we will understand that the unborn will be here soon too, and that when we no longer see the dead as here with us, the web of connectivity between generations unravels and it shrinks to the present only and then it becomes me 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 now 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 it's like leaving your trash at a national park for the next guy to deal with it and so we have to understand that we have been given an inheritance by those who have come before us and we have by those who have come before us and we have a duty stewardship to pass it off to the next generation posterity
0: You know, and there is a fullness in life for individuals that have this attitude, and there's a fullness in life for communities, and there's a fullness in life for a country. And as a millennial, we have about one minute. Do you see hope for America, or what do you think?
1: I have a pretty grim view of human nature in general. So I think there's always hope, and I think there's always something to be hopeful for. And as long as I think the most important thing we can do is educate our youth to the conservative movement, the liberty movement, and explain to them all the things that Russell Kirk and Edmund Burke and T.S. Eliot have taught me. And if we can pass those values on to a lot more people and a larger audience, I think we can be fine.
0: Well, you give me hope because you have your, your doctorate from the U- University of Rochester in higher education, and you are out there writing and thinking and uh, really working to affect this uh, this important American idea, narrative. So what's our quote for today, Stephen Kessler?
1: Sure. So it comes from Edmund Burke, written in 1791, a letter to a member of the National Assembly. He was chewing out Rousseau in this, and he said, "'Men are qualified for civil liberty in exact proportion to their dispositions to put moral chains upon their own appetites. Society cannot exist unless a controlling power upon will and appetite be placed somewhere. The less of it there is within, the more of it there must be without.'" It is ordained in the eternal constitution of things that men of intemperate minds cannot be free. Their passions forge their fetters.
0: Wow, Stephen Kessler, thank you so much for joining us today.